Shalom, this is Rabbi Thomas Davis Hart from Beth Elohim Messianic Synagogue. Uh, today I'm going to present a teaching on dying to self and following Yeshua. This is in direct contrast to all of the hype that we're getting today about following the self and denying any deity, including Yahweh Yeshua, our God. So this principle of dying to self is prominently found in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is the subject of my message today. Dying to self is the underlying principle behind the details that our Lord spoke to us in chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. And let me read these passages. This is in Matthew, by the way. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away." Unquote. When we consider the statements one by one, we see that Yeshua's concern was that we be set free from all desire for personal revenge. Regrettably, when people come to these passages, they're so concerned about the details of the right and wrong of the matter that they completely lose sight of the great principle that the Messiah here is teaching us. These illustrations found in these scriptures are simply to bring out the great principle he expressed for our edification. The Messiah's concern is principally with what we're more than what we do, for if we have the right attitude, then what we do will be in keeping with his principle of self-nullification. We have an inverse relationship requirement here. If we are to ascend in our relationship with God and grow into our relationship with God, we have to nullify ourselves. In Kabbalah, this is a concept that is the crux of the entire philosophy or teaching, if you will. It's that we cannot receive the light, capital L, and act upon it if we're so full of ourselves. There's no room. In so many words he's saying, if you are what you claim to be, this is how you will act. And we then need to parallel this statement with, no man can act in this manner unless he is finished with self. This concept so beautifully shown here is that it's not so much a matter of that I turn the other cheek, but that I should be is in a state which I'm ready to do so. The whole trouble in life and society is ultimately this concern about self. This doctrine plainly shows us that no man can practice what Yeshua has commanded us to do unless we are completely finished with self. Yeshua is saying that we must rid ourselves of this constant concern of looking out for our self-interest. Always on the lookout for insults, attacks, injuries, always being in the defensive mood. This morbid sensitiveness to the whole condition in which self is on the edge and so delicately poised and balanced that the slightest disturbance can upset one's equilibrium and this must be mastered. All you have to do is look at uh, drivers on the road today. People get mad at people for the darndest things and even kill other people because of road rage. 
This is an impulsive, soulish behavior that is not consistent with that of a true believer. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.3, and he puts it this way, With me it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Shaul, or Paul, as he should, has committed the whole question of his judgment to God and gives us an example to follow this principle of Yeshua found in these passages. We see Paul has entered into the state in which he just can't be hurt. And by not being burdened with emotional turmoil, he's free to continue to follow God's will unabated. This is a huge freedom that we should strive for. It will not happen overnight, but we should continue to strive for it nevertheless. To become an effective instrument of God's will, we must die to self, of our own interests, the world, its approval or disapproval, even to the approval or blame of other believers, and study to show ourselves approved only to the God Almighty. That's why I love the uh, slogan by Hebrew National, that they, uh, they answer to a higher authority. This is the great principle behind the teaching and doctrine found in these passages we're examining. Unfortunately, it's the most difficult thing for a man to die to himself. I found in the lives of great artists who achieved their fame after death, this principle worked out, even if they might not have been believers. There have been many great artists whose work the world did not approve of, and many died penniless and destitute, but they never stopped painting. They treated this disapproval with disdain. Their attitude was, so what? The world does not approve of their work? So much is the world worse. Or, says the artist, men are ignorant and they do not understand. We can become immune to the opinion of the world, but what about those who are near and dear to us, those who we are intimately associated with? You value their opinion, and you're sensitive to it. But for the believer, we must reach the stage in which we surmount even that, and realize we must not be controlled by it. Then there is the last stage which concerns what a man thinks about himself. Your own assessment, your own evaluation, your own judgment of self. It's nearly impossible not to be concerned about oneself. But Yeshua reminds us that the key to it all is simply to die to oneself. And we can only do that if we're totally consumed by the Father and the Son seeking only their approval and judgment. And by the way, Father and Son are one. God is one. He manifests himself as he will to accomplish the mission he has for that particular time. God incarnate, that's Yeshua. He is still God. I say to you now that no man can truly attain to this state of self-nullification unless he's a believer. For it's an antithesis of what is true for the natural man. In the world, a man fights for honor and his name. This applies not only to mankind, but to countries as well. It applies even to the respective properties of each. Unlike this principle that Yeshua teaches us here, the world admires a man or country that is always ready to defend their honor while it is just as readily despises a man or a country that does not do so. However, none of this prevents any of us who are believers from self-defense in the protection of life and limb of our loved ones, ourselves, or in the defense of the truth of God. Yeshua was the model for both. And in this principle, we also clearly see the doctrine of rebirth, for no man can say, I live, 
yet not I, but Yeshua liveth in me, except he be born from above. Yeshua is saying we have to live a life of self-nullification, but we can't unless we have the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. And the only way we know that we're imbued with that at all is by learning, studying deeply and humbly praying about the knowledge that we're trying to gain from God's Torah. We have to become totally different. We have to become entirely changed. We have to become a new being. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to sin in the future. It means that we have the capability to overcome it if we want to. We have to become obedient to God. To put it another way, obedient to his Torah, his teaching and instructions for us. That's what the Torah is, his instructions and teaching. And it applies to anyone who considers themselves true believers. And the world dislikes this teaching and would have us believe we could find another way that doesn't compromise our self or self-interest. They believe that through books, education, and programs offering self-help, self-improvement advice, or through a myriad of other man-made induced inventions, we can find this mental attitude even in the churches that we can achieve success and contentment aside from God's Torah, his standards. But it can't be done. And even if this worldly crowd appears successful, contented and happy, they live with doubts, fears, and uncertainty. And we've never seen it in such a time and frequency and intensity as we're seeing today. Much more panic, much more depression, much more anxiety, much more antinomianism, and that is rebelling against the instructions of God. Yeshua having stating this doctrine, you should ask yourself, how am I to live like that, denying self? The first thing that we must do is face ourselves in an honest and forthright manner. Quit making excuses, evading and circumventing an honest appraisal of who and what we are. Are you narrow-minded? Intolerant? Bigoted? Is your opinion the only one that matters? Or are you open to others and their opinions? And that does not mean non-biblical opinions. That does not mean inclusion in the context of which it's being taught today. That does not mean tolerance. All you have to do is read the Bible, even the literal word, without studying it, and you will find that Yeshua is not a tolerant individual. He is patient, but he is righteous and true, and he does not change his commands for those who consider themselves true believers. Next, we must hold all of this teaching of Yeshua before us and examine ourselves in light of his message. But it's not enough to do it in a general way. We must do it in the particular also. Whenever I notice in myself a reaction of self-defense for some emotional hurt or sense of grievance or annoyance, I feel that I'm suffering an injustice. The moment I feel this defensive mechanism coming into play, I must learn to immediately face myself and ask the following questions. Why does this thing bother me? Why am I grieved about it? What is my real concern at this point? Am I reacting simply because I feel it's a personal attack on myself, belittling me, causing me to suffer at humiliation at the hands of another? Am I really concerned for some general principle of justice and righteousness or is it all about me? Am I really moved and disturbed because I have some true cause at heart or let 
me face it honestly, or is it just about myself? Is it just some selfish, foul self-centeredness and self-concern? Is it nothing but morbid, unhealthy, and unpleasant pride? You will find that to be the positive answer in these cases. Such self-examination is essential if we're to overcome self-promotion and practice self-nullification. Just look at Yeshua's example. He submitted himself to the Father role in totality. He was an Ola offering. That means complete sacrificial offering for our sins, not for anything that he did. Believers must listen to the still quiet voice within. And if it says you know perfectly well that it's just your pride, your concern for your reputation, your self-esteem that causes you to react in this way, then you must admit it and confess it to God. It may be painful, but if we're to rise to the Lord's teaching, His Torah, we must do it. For it's a denial of self. It is removing ourselves from the throne and surrendering it to Him whose rightful seat it is. Another thing we must contemplate is how much and to what extent self controls our lives. For a moment, examine yourself in your life, your work, and the things you do, the contacts you have with people, and discover how much self and self interest comes into play into your everyday life. It may be a horrible discovery, but one that you must make. If you analyze the whole of your life, you will be amazed at how much all your actions and conduct is influenced by this concern for self and self-interest instead of the glory for God. That's our purpose in this life, to glorify God and make his name known throughout the nations. There's something else that self and self-interest promotes. Misery, unhappiness and failure in marriages, families, jobs, and social contacts. All the trouble in our lives is due to one thing, namely self. Just go back one week in your life and think of all the things that caused unhappiness, uneasiness, the things you've done that caused you shame, the things that disturbed you and put you off your balance. And you'll see that all these things can be attributed to self. Oh, you say, it's not something I did, but what somebody else did to me. It's not my fault. All right, then analyze the other person and you will find that this person did what he did because of himself. If only you had the right attitude toward the other person, as Yeshua goes on to teach in the next passages, you would be sorry for him and would be praying for him. So ultimately, it is you, the supposed mature believer, who is to blame when interacting with an unbeliever or an immature believer. So let's look at this doctrinally. According to scripture, self was responsible for the fall into sin. But for it, sin would never have entered into the world. Hasatan, or Satan, knows the power of self, and he puts our self-interest into practice at every turn when tempting us. Doctrinally, all comes down to self. But for self, there would have never been the fall, and this world would be paradise instead of what it is today. Know this, that self always, always means defiance of God. It always means that I put myself on the throne instead of God, and therefore self separates me from him. A person who is in harmony with God and his son is always happy and contented, whether he's in a dungeon, 
in the stocks or is being persecuted by others. Whenever we're unhappy, it means that in some way we are looking to ourselves and thinking about ourselves instead of communing with God. God's Torah tells us we are to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And he also says that he did not come uh, to make peace in the world, but as a dividing sword, even separating close family members. And he says if we put anything, family members, children, anyone in our families or anything else before him, we are not worthy of him. We can't do this if self stands between us. Self is of necessity a sin because I'm looking at myself and not God. When we look at self and seek to glorify ourselves or safeguard the interests of self, and the only way we can be in complete communion with God is to conquer self with the help of the Holy Spirit. This is the elementary principle for being at-one-ment or atonement with him. Holiness demands action. And we are only to look at Yeshua to understand what that means. He said, I have come to do your will. And he was wholly dependent on God as the Father will for everything he did. He did not live for himself or by himself in any measure. And we are told, let this mind be in you, which was also in Messiah Yeshua. If that's the ideal, then we must consult Torah, God's instructions, in order to learn what was in the mind of our Savior for his life was immersed in it. Everything resident is Yeshua. Everything is found in the Torah, for he was and is the manifested word of God. And that says that more John. His life revolved around the Torah. He was his guide. It was his guide, his source of all that was and is, godly and good. It was his involvement and the source of God's will and approval for him. If you and I are to forsake self, we need to get back to God's instructions and standards of the Torah and live the life that he has willed for each of us. That's the only way we can try find true joy and true peace. Truly there you will find Yeshua and lose self because he is the manifested Torah. Amen.